Welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about, are there too many townhouses? Is there an oversupply of townhouses? And this is going to be an honest and unbiased review based on data. And I'm actually really excited because we've done some pretty hefty number crunching for this to try and give that fact-based view of, are we going to have an oversupply of townhouses? But Andrew, why do we often get asked this question of, is there an oversupply of townhouses floating around? Well, I think the big thing is that people see a lot of townhouse options being built and then they get worried. Hey, is this going to flood the market? Is there going to be too many of them? But it's important to remember, just because something's prevalent doesn't mean there's an oversupply. It doesn't mean that the oversupply question isn't unwarranted, but the fact that there are a lot of townhouses being built on its own does not automatically jump to there being an oversupply. It's interesting, I was thinking, you know, there are more sheep in New Zealand than people. There are a lot of sheep. Yeah, but there's an oversupply, mate. But nobody ever questions whether there's an oversupply of sheep. (laughs) And globally, there's a lot of food insecurity and worries about food shortages. Similarly, there's a lot of trees in New Zealand, hectares and hectares and hectares of them, but still we need to plant more trees. So, you know, it doesn't mean that there's an oversupply of trees or an oversupply of timber. So again, just because there's lots of something doesn't mean there's an oversupply if there's lots of demand to be there. But let's talk about the change in the property market and how many townhouses are actually being built and how that's changed. Well, did you know in 2012, we were at the point where townhouses were their least popular. In fact, only 6% of new build consents were townhouses, right? So six out of every 100 consents were for townhouses. But over the last 12 months, things have changed quite drastically. Today, and it's been climbing steadily over the last 10 years, but today it's 40 out of every 100 consents are now for townhouses. So townhouses have become six times more popular than they were a decade ago. So that's where we've seen this huge shift in what we are building in New Zealand. But that doesn't mean that townhouses are popular everywhere, right? So over the last 12 months, there were only three townhouse consents in Kaikoura, and there was only one townhouse consent in Clutha District. So that's down around Balclutha. And that's pretty similar for a lot of the smaller regions in New Zealand. But if you look at some of our larger cities, in Auckland, over 58% of dwelling consents over the last 12 months were for townhouses. In Hamilton, 69%. So 69 out of 100. That's huge. Enormous. In Lower Hutt, 60%. And Christchurch, this will surprise you, 55%. So there's more townhouse construction going on as a percentage in terms of all properties being built in Hamilton than there is in Christchurch. Now, all of those cities have followed that similar path where townhouses were less popular and now they've become extremely popular. But Andrew, I've got to admit, we have been a bit hesitant to record an episode on whether there's an oversupply in the past, right? Yeah, and it's not because we don't want to answer it. It's just that we haven't known how to answer it because it's impossible to accurately create a model for the underlying demand of townhouses to match the supply of townhouses but because then you'd put these against each other and you'd figure out if there was a shortfall or surplus. So we've come up with a different way of answering the question. We're going to ask, what would an oversupply look like? What would we expect to see? And then we'll test whether or not we see those factors. Yeah, because you can't build a model like, well, what's the demand for townhouses? Because it's impacted by so much, like what's going on with apartments, what's going on with houses, and the demand is very fluid. And so what would we expect to see if there was an oversupply? Well, firstly, we'd probably expect to see townhouses taking longer to sell 
sell compared to other properties. So that would indicate an oversupply because, you know, in that case, oh, there's so many townhouses on the market. They're taking really long to sell because there's not a lot of demand. So that's what we would expect to see if there was an oversupply. So do we see that? The second thing we're looking for is townhouses falling in value more quickly than other types of properties. Now, why would that show an oversupply? Well, because if there's lots of something and there's quote unquote, too much of it, would expect prices to fall in economic theory, but it'd also be because buyers are able to negotiate prices down. So do we see that? The third thing we might expect to see are townhouses not going up in value as quickly as other types of properties, which is effectively the flip side of prices falling. But this gives us another test to look for. Now, there are some other things you could look at, but I've chosen these three because we're actually able to get the data on it. So it's not just important to ask the right questions of what might we expect to see if there was an oversupply, but you've also got to be able to answer those questions too. You've got to get the data to be able to answer it. So we're going to focus those three tests on Auckland and Christchurch because those are the two largest cities. So it's going to apply to the most people listening to this podcast. And then you can apply the same thing to wherever you happen to be looking at. And it also means that we've got the most robust data around it because bigger cities means we've got lots of data points, lots of transactions going on. And this is actually where we often see people ask most questions about. So even though there's a very large proportion of townhouses being built in Hamilton, we don't actually tend to hear a lot of people ask you about an oversupply of townhouses in Hamilton. Generally, when you guys are asking about it, you focus on Auckland and Christchurch. Yep. So that's what we're going to do. So, Andrew, do we see townhouses taking longer to sell than other properties? This is the first test. Yeah. So the short answer is no. Looking at the Christchurch data between 1992 and 2001, townhouses were taking longer to sell back then. But since then, since 2001, They've been very similar. Sometimes houses, in fact, take longer to sell, sometimes townhouses. So in the last 12 months, it took an average of 29 days to sell a townhouse. It took 31 days to sell a house. So houses are currently selling 7.5% faster than their historic average in Christchurch. For townhouses, however, it's 19% faster than their historic average. So this factor is not screaming there being an oversupply. Yeah, when you look at the data and see the two lines moving very similarly, almost in lockstep. Almost lock identical. And, you know, yes, there's sometimes one's a bit over, sometimes one's a bit under, but they're pretty much on top of each other most of the time. This isn't screaming oversupply to me. Now, the second factor is, are we seeing townhouses fall in value more quickly? Now, remember, property prices in Auckland peaked in November 2021. And what I've got in front of me is the annual change in the median sale price for houses and townhouses. And they have declined pretty markedly. You know, the median sale price for houses is down 16% since November. For townhouses, it's down 10%. Now, any eagle-eyed or eagle-eared listeners will be saying, Ed, why are you using median sale price data? You always go on about how bad it is. Well, and trying I, to manipulate, he's trying to commit data abuse. Well, no, no, no. Before you pull out your pitchforks, <laughs> I do agree with you that generally it is better to use house price index data, but that doesn't break it down by property type like we need it. It'll give me apartment data, but not townhouse data. So I'd rather use imperfect data and give you this big disclaimer and say, hey, it's not the robust data, but it's the best I've got. I'd rather do that than have no data at all. And look, there could be some potential reasons why townhouses haven't dropped as much, which we'll get into, but we see the same thing in Christchurch. 
since November's peak, median sale price for houses are down 10%. Median sale price for townhouses is only down 3.5%. Now again, disclaimer, disclaimer, not the most robust data, but I am simply not seeing strong evidence saying all of this new stock is creating an oversupply because we are not seeing sale price of townhouses falling faster than houses. Again, I wouldn't look the other way and say, oh, well, we are seeing houses drop faster than townhouses, so houses must be a bad investment. No, I'm not saying that because it's not the most robust data, but I am not seeing evidence of oversupply there. Now, Andrew, what about that third factor? Are we seeing townhouses not increase in value as quickly? So we've shared in previous episode how houses have historically gone up by about 0.1 to 0.6% faster than townhouses, so a small amount more. And both have increased significantly faster than apartments. But have we seen this gap get bigger as a result of an oversupply? Let's start with Christchurch. So there's always some variation, but we're not seeing much of a divergence that would suggest an oversupply. So again, they pretty much run identically. And during the most recent boom, it looks like townhouses actually did better than houses in Christchurch. Yeah, you can see that, that, you know, the lines are sometimes under, they're sometimes over, but they move it's pretty, pretty closely together. It's so close that it's not worth considering any kind of major difference when you're calculating your future capital growth. Yeah, only between kind of 0.1 to 0.6%. Now, looking at the Auckland data, there actually was a small divergence where over the most recent boom, annual house price growth, when we're talking about median sale prices, peaked at 25% for houses and 15% for towns. Houses. Now, bear in mind, 15% annual growth is still pretty hefty, Huge. but there is a small divergence over that one-year period. But I've also got to look at that in context and say, well, sometimes one does better, sometimes the other does worse. So on its own, and bearing in mind we're using less robust data, we're using median sale price, not HPI, that's not on its own enough to convince me that there's some massive difference coming, given that the two lines are moving in lockstep again. So on its own, that's not screaming to me oversupply. But that brings a really interesting question, Andrew, of why? If we're saying no data to suggest there's an oversupply, why aren't we seeing an oversupply if so many townhouses are being built? Yeah, so I think, you know, in some ways it's a bit of a change in behaviour as well because often the people that worry about an oversupply are the older investors that I work with who are used to living in a quarter acre section with a house on it. But a big driver in this economy is affordability. So as housing gets more expensive, people are looking for more affordable options. And it might mean they have to forego the quarter acre section, but in Auckland, for example, townhouses have historically been 20% cheaper than houses. And today, due to more affordable options being available, sometimes they're 30% cheaper. So I think this is a change in how people are living. Yeah, and what we mean by more affordable options is you see more one-bed townhouses coming out, more two-bed townhouses coming out. And the fact of the matter is, is if you can't buy a house and a townhouse is on average 30% cheaper and you want to buy a house... You suck the have and you buy the townhouse. That's, that's, what right. a, that's what a lot of first-time buyers we that's see right. do. And because of that, you will see this change in behaviour where it's like, well, I can't afford a house because my debt-to-income ratio is too high these days. Okay, I'll buy a townhouse as my first property. Yep. Then I might move into a house later on in life. 
And so it's just the people changing their behaviour. And also, you know, I think sometimes the older generations as well. So previously my parents would have wanted the quarter acre section where they can put a whole bunch of stuff. Now that my mum's getting older, she's now living in a townhouse. Now, the other two things that are changing is people are having smaller families and settling down later on in life. Well, if I think about it, Andrew, by the time my mum was my age, she had three kids and, you know, was unhappily married. For, <laughs> <laughs> what I say that? You up? <laughs> <laughs> um, for, I don't know, 10 odd years. Now, I think my dad sometimes does listen to the show. So, <laughs> but, he, but he's now happily married with his new wife, so it's okay. And uh, hi, Annie. Uh, she's a real estate agent. By the way, in Manaya. <laughs> and because of that, people aren't needing, you know, the four bedroom house to raise their three or four kids in because, on average, currently, I think we have 1.85 births per woman here in New Zealand. Whereas, uh, you know, back in the 60s, it was up around the four. You know, so on average, people had four kids. Now it's 1.85. So you don't need as much space. We're having smaller families. We're settling down later. Now, for a person like me who lives by themselves, you know, I don't need a lot of space, so I do live in a townhouse. Whereas if I compare it to one of my colleagues who is the same age as me, but is married with three kids, he lives in a house because he needs that extra space. So you're seeing the needs of people changing. And on top of that, the other thing I just encourage you, this is the third factor to think about, is all of those townhouses that you're seeing being built, on the most part, they've already been sold. Absolutely. Because the banks will not allow a developer to go ahead and build. They won't grant finance unless they've sold 75, sometimes up to 100% of those properties as pre-sales. So it's not like all of these properties being built are going to flood the market and be resold straight away because they've already been sold on the most part. And if you want to get more into the data on this, I've just released a video on YouTube taking you through the data. So if you want to see these graphs and things like that, just Google Opus Partners YouTube. You'll find the video on there. You'll be able to see the graphs. Listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.